That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to game four a couple days ago on Sunday evening and previewing uh, and looking ahead to an all-important game five. And we'll tell you what some of the numbers are here uh, and why game five when a series is tied uh, 2-2 historically is so massively important. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but without further ado, I'm going to introduce uh, a a uh, a guy who has a couple different roles here at the station, board op producer. He is a native of Arizona. It's Dante Gomez. I've worked with Dante a bunch over the last uh, year or two. And Dante follows the Suns and has for uh, a, a while uh, very closely. And when the Nuggets were up two to zero, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm like, hey, look, at, I got a, I got a Nuggets title ticket. Like this is gonna be, we're gonna have some rest on the backstretch while Golden State and Los Angeles beats up each other. And uh, Dante said, hey, not so fast. I know they're up two zero. There's ways where the Suns can get back into this series, and I think that they will. And I'm like. No, Dante, no. They don't have enough ammunition. That was my mindset at the time. I was like, they don't have, my eyes are telling me, this is after the CP3 injury in game two. Like, they just don't have the bullets uh, to win four games against Denver. And you said, if they come back and tie this series 2-2, I want to come on the Mile High Hoops podcast. And here you are. Welcome. Hi. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to... Another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to game four a couple days ago on Sunday evening and previewing uh, and looking ahead to an all-important game five. And we'll tell you what some of the numbers are here uh, and why game five when a series is tied Uh, 2-2 historically is so massively important. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, But without further ado, I'm going to introduce a a guy who has a couple different roles here at the station, board op producer. He is a native of Arizona. It's Dante Gomez. I've worked with Dante a bunch over the last uh, year or two. And Dante follows the Suns and has for uh, a a while uh, very closely. And when the Nuggets were up two to zero, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm like, hey, look, at, I got a, I got a Nuggets title ticket. Like this is gonna be, we're gonna have some rest on the backstretch while Golden State and Los Angeles beats up each other. And uh, Dante said, hey, not so fast. I know they're up two zero. There's ways where the Suns can get back into this series, and I think that they will. And I'm like. No, Dante, no. They don't have enough ammunition. That was my mindset at the time. I was like, they don't have, my eyes are telling me, this is after the CP3 injury in game two. Like, they just don't have the bullets uh, to win four games against Denver. And you said, if they come back and tie this series 2-2, I want to come on the Mile High Hoops podcast, and here you are. Welcome. Thanks for having me. You know, it's an honor to be here. And I think the direct quote was, the Suns are cooked, brother. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I don't know how that's aging. (laughs) Well, it's not aging well. And, like, there are – and this is why, you know, you can – 
you can, I can, I, I tried to warn myself of like, hey, there's things that you may not be seeing right now, but you're only reacting to these two games. And, you know, maybe, maybe I, I got caught up a little bit and overconfident because what we're seeing from Phoenix in the last two games is such a serious departure from what we saw the first two games, uh, the last two compared to the first two. Uh, what, what is your big takeaway uh, in terms of the shift in the series? I think it really comes down to the bench, um, and that's what I was saying after games one and two. Is like this bench is not as bad it has, as it has looked, and right. it really is not. It's been playing much better. What they scored forty last game, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and the Nuggets bench, who you know they were relying on their depth. It's always you know all season or not all season, but playoff runs. You know, Nuggets have depth. Nuggets right. have depth. Right. That just disappeared completely. Yeah, it got turned on its head. And when you have a guy like Landry Shamit making five three-pointers and scoring 19 points, Terrence Ross, who was DMP coach's decision, uh, scoring eight points. Uh, Landell uh, gets eight points. TJ Warren also wasn't playing. Credit to, credit to Monty Williams, who I know... He comes under some fire, right, from, from Suns fans? He does. I mean, you know, me included. Um he just, you know, lack of adjustments. Two years ago in the playoffs, we're up 2-0 in the finals against the Bucks, and right. you know, lose four straight. You know, losing four straight's not easy to do. That takes a lot of, uh, you know, the Bucks played great, but Monty just never really made an adjustment. And sometimes it's that Michael Malone where he just kind of plays his rotation guys, doesn't really change things up. Yeah, and, and Michael Malone is, is very similar where, like, he gets in, like, a comfort zone. And he M- Malone... Um, puts this playing group together in the vision that he deems is going to be the most successful. And then when it's not, for these coaches, and Malone here in this you know anecdote, like to go away from your own vision on how you think you're best set up for success is not like, it's not even like, no, I want to be right, so I'm sticking to my guns. It's like, no, you think this is the best way. And to move off of that and adjust and do something else that's freaking hard. And what Monty Williams did in this series, man, from someone like you or that fan base, tip of the cap. Yeah, no, I mean, all props to him for playing, uh, you know, Ter- like you said, Ross has been getting more minutes. Warren's been getting more minutes. Shamit always kind of had those minutes, um, but he kind of made the most out of it in game four. Um, I saw a quote from Monty after game two um, when the bench scored four points and it was asked about, you know, will Terrence Ross or TJ Warren be seen more minutes? And he said, yes. And, you know, it sounded like he really didn't want to play these guys. I right. believe he said, uh, you know, we'll play those guys and we'll, you know, have to see what warts come with that. And, you know, props to him for making that decision. It's a tough decision, especially like you were saying, coaches want to, they see a series playing a certain way. Yeah. And to kind of reevaluate that after two games, you know, props on him. And he's acknowledging that, hey, this may not be a perfect transition. He used the word warts. Like, if you're one of those players and he's using your name side-by-side <laughs> side with warts, like, okay, go get him. Like, you know? <laughs> but but at the same time, like, Michael Malone may have to do that himself. Like, maybe play a guy that you're not in love with the idea of him playing is that Peyton Watson, you know, um, who's a rookie and inexperienced and raw. Going into the series, I'm like, because he was playing a little bit at the end of the season. I'm like, guys, he, you're, you're not going to see Peyton Watson in the playoffs. I'm just letting you know. he's not. Michael Mullen's not going to play this rookie. And then yesterday at shoot-around, he said two names specifically, uh, and only two names. Michael Malone did. Hey, we may use Reggie and Reggie Jackson, and we may use Peyton to try to slow down Devin Booker. Um, Devin Booker, by the way, right now, and I said this yesterday on the podcast, um, I'm not saying that it's the greatest stretch of basketball I've ever, I've ever seen. 
but I'm also saying I haven't seen anything better than what I'm seeing from Devin Booker these last two games. Down 0-2, shooting almost 80% from the field. This guy, this guy, Devin Booker. Yeah, he's for real. Um, going into this series, the big talk was who's the best player in the series? Is it Jokic? Is it Durant? Booker's name wasn't really mentioned as mm. in terms of best player in the mm. series, but right. he's kind of shown up. I, I do think Jokic has maybe outplayed him so far, but, I mean, pff, the Suns are not tied 2-2 without Devin Booker playing as well as he has been. A- absolutely not. I mean, the guy has been going nuts in these playoffs. 36 points in Game 4, 47 in Game 3, 35 in Game 2, 27 in Game 1. You go back to the previous series, he averaged more in the previous series than he actually is right now. 26, 38, 45, 30. 47. The phrase superstar gets thrown around too much. Um, even guys at our own station can get you know a little bit caught up, get, 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 get a little bit over their skis. Devin Booker has been a star in the, in the NBA, and he's crossed through to superstar. In my opinion, there's maybe five, six of those guys. You can't have, you can't have 15 superstars. Like, it just doesn't work like that for me. Um, he's one of the five or six right now. Yo, completely agree. I mean, it's one of the – I think Bill Simmons has a joke where it's like, you know, your top uh, – I want to say there's 10 top five guys in the league. Everyone always says that, <laughs> yeah. you know. I like that there's um, 10 top five guys. Yeah. So it's one of those. But I do, I don't, top five might be, you know, a little bit of a stretch. But he's definitely a top 10 guy. I mean, he was the best player, and he led his team to the finals two years right, ago. Right. He was the best player on that team, like, hands down, yep. no questions asked. Yep. And that's not easy to do, being the best player on a finals team. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, he's, Suns fans have kind of always seen him in that stratosphere. And, the rest of the country kind of, I feel like they didn't really want to give it to him because there was a lot of those, like, I think they call it like empty calorie stats yeah, he was sure, putting in sure, early sure. in his career. Yep. And I feel like you know, at this point, it's pretty undeniable. Like, it, he it just is, undeniable. is, you know, that guy. He's, he's that dude. I, I think he's a top five player. I think if you're starting an NBA team right now, um, and I actually, you just mentioned Bill Simmons, they were discussing this. Like, if you're, if you're starting a franchise right now and you have two options as a cornerstone, Jason Tatum or Devin Booker. I mean, the fact that that was your reaction right now kind of tells you a lot because Jason Tatum has been considered a top five guy, been top five MVP candidate a couple years in a row. And now it's like, man, I'd really have to think about that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's kind of a toss up at this point. I mean, Tatum has his moments, Booker has his. So, I mean, those two, in my opinion, are the two best young guys in the league at this point. All right. uh, I want to talk about uh, the, the, the different difference of this Suns team. Uh, with and without Chris Paul, they're just different. They 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 were struggling to get into the hundreds. I mean, they scored eighty seven points in Game Two. I think it was maybe one oh seven in Game One, something like that. Now you come out and you score one hundred and twenty nine points in Game Number Four, and in Game Number Two they got to one twenty one. The Suns are playing faster. Um, Really good in transition. Denver needs to clean that up clearly. And a lot of times it's like bad offensive possessions for Denver that's leading to Suns, you know, breakout points. But it, but it begs the question of like, okay, I said CP3 was gone through game five. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because we have game five tonight. But let's just, for the sake of conversation here, what if Chris Paul says I'm ready to go game six? <sighs> That's a tough decision for Monty. In my opinion, I would bring him off the bench. I don't think you can put him back in this starting five at the moment. Um, I think you bring him off the bench and then kind of go with your closing five, whoever's kind of playing the best that game. And I'd like to think Chris Paul's a professional enough to understand that coaching decision. Sure. Um, I know that he do that with Kyle Lowry. You know, he's a seasoned vet. He comes off the bench to, you know, undrafted guys that are starting in that five. So 
I'd like to see him come off the bench, kind of see where he's at, too. I mean, who knows how healthy he is, too, if right. he is back. Right. Um, and they're just been pushing the ball so well. Campaign is a freak. He is so fast out there. He is. So I think him and Booker and Durant, they just push the ball so so well. And Chris Paul kind of, you know, he gets his shots. He's great in the half court, but he really slows the game down when he's out there. He does. The Suns, as efficiently as they score the ball, they're actually one of the slower-paced teams in the NBA. With Chris Paul, they're not sprinting up and down the floor. They're just not. But there's, they're, they're, they are efficient in the half court. They have a couple legendary Hall of Fame jump shooters in Durant and Booker. I just didn't think, like, when that, when that injury happened, and I'm there watching it, um, a game two in Denver. I'm like, how are they going to get set up into their offense? Like, this is a Hall of Fame floor general. And now it's like, and maybe I just wasn't thinking about it like in the most like elementary level. Chris Paul's 38 years old. He is not even the Chris Paul of two seasons ago when these two teams met. Chris Paul, and people forget this, in the closeout game when they swept Denver, Chris Paul scoring 37 points. That's just not who he is anymore. Father time's caught up. And, 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 and I didn't like just draw a straight line of like, okay, there's no Chris Paul. What does this look like? The straight line is now the basketball is just in your two best players' hands every single possession. I thought that could be a negative. It's turned out to be a positive, at least thus far. <laughs> like in game four, the other three starters combined for 17 points. Okogi, Aiton, Payne. Payne goes for five, Aiton goes for eight, and Okogi goes for four. And then you get, you know, 36 and 36. What's 36 plus 36? What is that, 72? 72, right? yeah. You get 72 points from two of your starters, 17 from the rest of the starting unit. And somehow it's working. And somehow, like, the shift that, that, that Monty went with of, like, okay, Torrey Craig, like, you're not going to play for us anymore. It's, it's, this is about a matchup. We're going to put an offensive player in the corner. And Booker, the way that he has evolved during this series of inviting the double and making these cross-court almost Jokic passes to opposite corners for wide-open threes, they're not, trying to out, they're not trying to slow down Denver. They're trying to outgun them. Yeah, I mean, when you got KD and Booker, it's one of those where you kind of trust the numbers, where if you get more shots in them, you think you're going to make more. Um, so, I mean, and that goes to the, you know, Monty Williams strategy too. But, I mean, without Chris Paul up there, it's kind of like he took the guardrails off the team, where it's the ball is moving around quicker. And, you know, Booker and Durant are definitely getting theirs, but the ball movement is just a lot like, they're swinging around. Landry Sherman's getting that ball in the corner. Whoever's in the corner, TJ Warren, yep. Terrence Ross getting yep. the ball in the corner, yep. whoever it is. The ball's just moving way quicker around the court than Chris Paul, you know, dribbling the heck out of the ball, getting that pick and roll with eight in, and then kind of seeing where it goes from there. So I just think the offense is a lot more free-flowing and cohesive when he's not out there just kind of playing Chris Paul ball. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good synopsis. And then you turn the coin over, and it's a Nuggets team that wants to have that ball popping, wants to have that ball just snapping around and passing down good shots for great shots. When the Nuggets have been their best, that's who they've been. And now, because of the way that the Suns have chose to operate with Jokic defensively, the ball is not snapping around. You're not seeing that, like, you know, that, that harmony, that, like, symphony of basketball that Denver can play that looks like the old Spurs teams. You're seeing a more, like, two-man, two-on-two style game 
Uh, and, and I think because of that, guys like Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., when you're not touching the ball and involved in the offense, and then you get it and you're like, okay, now go do something, it's just it, it, it doesn't work uh, with the same type of harmony. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's hard to be in a flow when you're getting the ball every, you know, four or five possessions. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't blame. I mean, Aaron Gordon's kind of disappeared in the last couple games. Um, as I mean, as I MPJ. Yeah, MPJ as well. But it's hard when you're only getting a couple shots. It's mostly just jump shots, too. They're not really playing into the offense like you're talking about, snapping the ball around. And I think that's definitely the Sun's strategy. I mean, there was um, end of the third quarter, Monty Williams gets interviewed on TNT after Game, in game four. Yes. And the reporter asks him, you know, like, how do you plan to slow down Jokic? He already has 42 points. And Monty Williams basically gave a non-answer. Like, he was like, you know, he's playing great, whatever, whatever, whatever. But there was no strategy. Like, he didn't even mention, oh, we need to slow him down. Right. Because I don't think they want to slow Jokic down. I think they're fine letting him get his. As long as that, you know, the Nuggets aren't playing that cohesive style of ball, I think that's, you know, what the Suns want. Yeah, it, it is an interesting strategy of like, okay, let, let's let – not like let him score. They don't want to let him score. They're, but they're playing the best individual one-on-one defense, which is usually you're going to get your ass whooped. Like if, you're, if you guard Jokic one-on-one, you're in for a really long day. But they're, they, I, it looked like they're okay with him scoring 50 and seeing the dynamic play out from there. But, but the other way of looking at this is, okay – Durant and Booker combined for over 70 points. The Nuggets bench played terrible and got their head kicked in. And Dante, this was a coin flip game, you know, with a minute left. I mean, this was a coin flip game. There's a jump ball, you know, that where, where the Suns are, I think, up three at the time. Aiton kind of gets one over, like, you know, you know, tricky play, snide, that maybe should have got caught by the ref. Regardless, not here to talk about the officials. But if you're Malone... I think it's like, okay, do we do we overreact or do we just stick to our guns? We like Jokic going to score, and we don't think that Landry Shamit is going to make five threes. Let's continue this same game plan. I just don't know how they're going to play it. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough decision for Malone. Um, it's one of those where... Do you blow it up, or do you just kind of keep it going and hope your role players play better at home and the Suns' role players right. don't play as well as they have in Phoenix? Right. Um I mean, that's why he gets paid the big, big bucks. I don't have an answer. It, it, I, I really right. don't. No, no, and, and, and neither do I. We don't know what we're in store for later tonight. And, and if you're uh, uh, listening here, time of recording is, is Tuesday morning, about 10 o'clock. Um, if Malone doesn't adjust, and I just see this playing out, if Malone doesn't adjust and, like, ha- have something in his bag, like whether it's, let's just say, it's, you know, playing Peyton Watson, putting him on, you know, a uh, 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 Booker and... Let's say he doesn't do that, and they say, you know, we actually like our process. We're going to see how it plays out at home. If he doesn't adjust and the Nuggets lose, the noise around not adjusting, you've heard it with Monty. It's going to be so loud, and he's been the coach on this Nuggets arc leading to this point. I'd... If the Nuggets don't get out of this series and there's noise around Malone, while you have the MVP, a healthy roster, home court advantage, these may be his last days coaching the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It's a it's a tough spot for him. It kind of reminds me of the Mike Budenholzer um, kind of same stage from a couple of years ago with the Bucks, where Giannis, two-time MVP, um, you know, didn't have too much playoff success, though. I think maybe like an Eastern Conference Finals in yeah, there. Yeah, sounds right. Semis, but it kind of got a little... 
loud around Budenholzer as well, you know, ends up, they end up winning the finals, all is well. Well, not anymore. But yeah, not anymore. But <laughs> at the right, time, though, kind of, you know, all is well at the moment. Um, I could see Malone kind of in the same path where it's like, you kind of have everything going for you at this point, and you said it a bunch. If not now, when? Yeah, if not now, when? I mean, we went through all of last year. We, I, I, I was calling it the year before the year for a whole year. Well, this is the year, and I just don't think Denver can run it back. Not to get morbid because game five's tonight and they can win, and, um, but I just don't if, – if it doesn't work out, I don't think they can run back the same crew. At the very least, I think Malone would probably be the lowest hanging fruit before they break up their core. But, but, but again, that's, that's putting the cart way ahead of the horse. I think Denver's going to win tonight. I do. Um, being back at home, this may be one of these classic series where the home team doesn't lose. I do believe this is going seven. I, th- I do think Phoenix is going to win in Phoenix, and I think Denver will, will ultimately win the series. But, but here's the math behind how important Game 5 is. There's actually two pieces of math. One, and this relates to Michael Malone, teams with a 2-0 lead in a best-of-seven series go on to win almost 93% of the time. As it relates to Malone, if you're a part of the 7%, like you're in big trouble. But, but, but for the here and now, more importantly and, and, and more relevant to this moment, when a series is tied 2-2, the winner of Game 5, do you know this? Um, no, I mean, I'm assuming they win the series a lot more, but uh, right. I don't know the numbers. It's, it's, it's uh, 80% of the time, uh, the team who wins, or excuse me, 82% of the time, the teams that, and that's probably what you would guess if I asked you, hey, well, you know, what do you think it is? But, but more than eight out of every 10 times, the winner of game five with a series tied 2-2 goes on to win the series. 147 and 33 is the record of the winner of game fives, 147 and 33. So it is a massive game. You could argue it's the biggest Denver Nuggets game in fill in the blank. Uh, how do you think the next, uh, few hours pans out in game five but also the rest of the series as well i mean it's tough to pick against suns but i do think the nuggets get right tonight i think their bench has played really bad the last couple di- yeah. nights and it's tough to you know it's, t- it's hard to beat a team three times it really is uh i mean the nuggets found that out in game three yep um you know you think everything's working until it's not um usually role players do play better at home yep so I- i'm expecting you know MPJ to have a better game. I'm expecting Aaron Gordon to have a better game. Some of those bench guys as well. Um, you know, I hate to say, it, I do think I think it's a close one. But I think the Nuggets win tonight. I do think Phoenix wins Game Six, and Game Seven will be fun, man. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be Game Seven in Denver. I'm assuming Sunday late afternoon or evening. The 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 time on the game is is TBD. We don't we just don't know yet. Um, okay, before we get out of here, a quick look uh, around the other series. Uh, give me your sna- snapshot thoughts on Philly and Boston. I think it's I think Boston didn't know what they were getting into. They've kind of owned Philly the last couple uh, seasons in the playoffs. I don't know. I think Philly actually gets over the hump this year. I think they win that series. You know what? That is uh, uh, not what I thought at the beginning of the series. I have I actually have a Nuggets over Celtics finals future ticket uh, that uh, pays 8-1, to one, and I seriously am in doubt now because Philly, they're almost winning in spite of Joel Embiid, by the way. Like, the the not that the shine has come off as MVP, but they won game one without him. Harden goes nuts. They won the most previous game almost in spite of him. Um, so that series, man, that that is a that is a fun series that continues later today, right? That'll be uh, I think, I think at, they're the game before. Yeah, uh, yes, yes, Suns Nuggets tonight. Yes, they are before 
uh, Suns Nuggets, um, and that series currently is tied up at yep, two two at, at, two, two. at each other. Wow, um, that is fun. I like Boston tonight. I like Boston and Boston. Um, talk to me about the other series, uh, Los Angeles Lakers, who have pulled ahead. Man, I, I I thought again on Monday night. I thought the Warriors were going to take care of business. Um, they are in a serious hole that I don't know if they can get out of here. I thought so too. Um, yeah, I was shocked they lost Game Four in LA. I I don't know. I mean. How great is it, though, that LeBron now has a 3-1 lead on the Warriors? Yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. I mean, what a narrative that would be. Tr- if, triggering. Uh, <laughs> triggering. If somehow LeBron finds a way to uh, to blow that lead. So, I mean, the Lakers are playing really good ball, though. They are. Anthony Davis is playing well on both ends of the court. LeBron's playing well on defense, which, like, when's the last time you said that? Probably, like, it's Cleveland Davis. Yeah, a few years ago. Putting effort in on the defensive end. So, he looks like he's all the way bought in. Um, I think he realizes that he has a legitimate chance to win a ring this year. Yeah. And... I, I don't doubt it at this point. They are playing really well. I think it's hard to blow a 3-1 lead, but I do think Golden State gets back in the series. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. But I don't think they're winning three straight. I don't. I, and Clay Thompson, like, I love Clay. N- needed you in game four. Oh, I, For him to score yeah. nine points in what felt like a must-have game, uh, that was disappointing. Uh, Curry just needed, needed more help. Um, and to your point about the Lakers, man, they do have a championship profile right now. Uh, when your second best player is LeBron James, because Anthony Davis has been their best player. Thank you for tuning in to the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.